It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Josh, I like games. How about you? They're not bad either. They're not too bad. Speaking of what else is not too bad, the entire Panda podcast, the UBP, the UBP, the UBP, my friend, Jules Gale away somewhere. Man messaged me saying, I can't make it on Thursday, Friday. I'm doing a business. I didn't ask him anymore, but I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> he's out there somewhere. He's doing a business he's somewhere. He's skulking around doing a business. So I'm joined by the illustrious Josh Brown for a trifecta of podcasts this week, holding everything up. We did the wind up on Monday. We did the main podcast in the week. Now we've got the entitled Panda podcast to round things out. I know everyone's going to be sick of us, especially <laughs> me. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think the, the Atlas-like approach to the content keeps everything aflowing. And um, yes, this is the Untitled Banner Podcast where we go through as many questions, talking points, whatever you'd like us to talk about across the gaming industry or whatever's on your mind. Turns out, though, that people want to talk about video games. So question from Kevin, who says, is 2023 already one of the best years in gaming? Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, Resident Evil 4 Remake, Final Fantasy 16, Octopath Traveler 2, they could all be Game of the Year, IMO, and we still have Starfield, Spider-Man, Lies of P, and many more. What are our frontrunners for Game of the Year, and are we drowning in games like they are. Also, Acacia3582 and Darren Martin asked us for a top three games of the year so far and top three announced games still to come. Honestly, this year has Sweet been Jesus. unreal for all media, I think. <laughs> like, in terms of the movies, the music, the TV shows, the games, oh. I have been eating well, my friend. Sleep and the Token's games, new album, beautiful. Not listen to it, but maybe, <laughs> maybe you have, because I've had it on around you. That's true, I have you heard some escape songs. It. Absolutely. But video games especially. Mm. Every single week, I feel like we start the wind-up with the phrase, video games are back. <laughs> and they're back to stay. I absolutely agree uh, with these sentiments here. An incredible year, and hopefully one that maintains the momentum mm. as we get into the second half, because the things on the horizon are absolutely outrageous. Let's talk top threes. My yes. number one game of the year so far is Street Fighter Six. There's nothing that's blown me away, blown my socks clean off um, in such a succinct, powerfully precinct manner as Street Fighter. I think it's this just this perfect clockwork mechanism of a game. It's like rock, paper, scissors, perfectors in terms of like the fighting mechanics. It's such a beautiful game. I love the art style. I love the art. The online battle hub is great. This big online arcade where you can sit down at individual cabinets um, and challenge people or just sit there and wait for someone to come to you. You can play like old versions of Street Fighter and Final Fight and everything while you wait and the campaign's really fun too. Um, mine is just Street Fighter by far, at least for now. Um, my other two um, would probably be Dredge because I really, really like Dredge. I thought the ending was a bit... The way that they make you find the real ending in the open world. I totally get why you would, um, but I ended up just looking up a guide and thinking that I'd done something wrong and it was broken. But overall, Dredge is such a, a very, very um, well-made, well-realized vision, and I really, really like my time with it for the vast, vast majority. Um, hilariously, I'm not even... I'm not going to go with Zelda as much as I think Tears of the Kingdom is solid. I think my third one um, would already be Final Fantasy 16. Wow, um, really? Just because of how strongly it's out the gate. Um, there's some stuff doing the rounds online and I haven't finished it yet um, about how the end of the story is apparently nowhere near as good as the beginning. But I'm just fascinated by that because not every outlet is saying that. The people who are are adamant that the end is terrible and the rest of the people are just saying it's incredible and it's a 10 out of 10 and whatever. So I'm very curious what the hell happens in that game. But it's such a confident step in a... Uh, more action-focused direction for that franchise, and I just love Final Fantasy. It's in my blood. So, uh, yeah, I'm having an absolute blast with them. What's amazing with this year, Scott Telford, is that we have completely different top threes. <laughs> for me, my number one with a bullet to steal a phrase that I know you really like I is do. Resident Evil 4 Remake. Shout. And all the way through that game, I just kept thinking, I can't believe these bastards have done it again. <laughs> I cannot believe they've done it again. Because I was expecting you to swear that. <laughs> no, was I? <laughs> no, was I? 
Um, those swines. Those swines, man. Because as I keep mentioning, I really loved Resident Evil 2 as a remake, but, you know, I didn't live and breathe it the same way I did with this game. And I mm. wasn't, I was, of course, looking forward to it, but I didn't expect it to give me the same feeling that the original did. But it did, you know, the way it remixed elements from that game, the way it overhauled the control scheme and the combat and the way they managed to tie everything together with this expanded plot and the new characterization of Leon and Ashley, which is so, so great. So much better. Um, I just never didn't want to stop playing it. You know, I played through the campaign, then I played it again, then I played it again and tried <laughs> to get the platinum. And I will play it again before Your the girlfriend out. tweeting, he won't stop playing it. Literally, she was so infuriated. Like, every time... Because I'm still watching video essays about it now. <laughs> so when they play a cutscene from it, like my girlfriend will have a bit of PTSD yeah. when she'll turn around uh, on the couch and be like, I cannot believe I've just heard that line of dialogue again. That is driving me insane. And I totally get it, but I would listen to it another 20 times in context oh, because I, I thought the game was incredible. And yeah. It's going to be tough to beat that this year for me. My number two is Jedi Survivor, which really? is another game that I expected to like, but mm-hmm. which completely blew me away in terms of my expectations. Love that game. Love, uh, to me, it's exactly what a sequel should be, the way it expands totally. on the original. Uh, the plot is incredible. The gameplay is fluid. Thankfully, I got uh, really lucky with the version that I had that I didn't have the amount of issues Just that you had. Just the mode you picked. I mean, they've passed yeah. it a lot now, but the quality mode was always way better than performance mode. Apparently, there's six main official patches now. Performance mode is yeah. finally there, um, but it's taken them like two months. Yeah. And I, I've deleted that game now. It's done. I finished <laughs> it, but it's done. For me, uh, like, like uh, I won't keep going on about this game because I've talked about it so much before, but mm. yeah, thought it was amazing. And my number three is a recent addition. It's not Zelda. It's not Dredge. It's a game called Stay Out of the House. <laughs> and this is Puppet Combo's new horror game. Okay. It's a first-person essentially like escape room. You are the victim of a killer called the Butcher and you're trapped in his house Mm. and you have to get out the house. But the entire house is a puzzle box. Every new room throws you a puzzle. You have a gun, but it's only used to scare off the monster. This killer is like a persistent enemy throughout Mm -hmm. the house. But brilliantly, and what just made it a perfect game for me is that it has this PS1 style art style with a VHS filter over the top of it. So it's got that grindhouse. I know. This grindhouse throwback feel. The sound design is awesome. I'm absolutely gonna write an editorial on this because I love it so much. Mm. And it's it's funny, man, because this wasn't on my radar at all. And then another testament to my girlfriend, I was just browsing the recently added games to the PlayStation Store. And as a joke, because the cover of it is like a throwback and it mm. kind of like looks a bit silly. She jokingly said, oh, you'll probably end up playing that, won't you? And I didn't even see it initially. I clicked on the page and thought, saw the screenshots and thought, I'm going to play this right now. I'm going to play this right now. And it's blown me away. So yeah, what a top three for me. Personally. I will um, throw in on my side as well, just something that I haven't finished yet, but I'm playing through is Bat Boy, which is the more I play that, that is just, show, it's, if Shovel Knight was a genre, it's in the Shovel Knight genre, which only like a 3% of the people who, listening, who are listening to this will know what I mean, but there's a feel to Shovel Knight in terms of how well you bounce off enemies and how extremely well uh, made the music is and everything, the level design. Bat Boy is a one of them. And I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even have like known about it if I hadn't seen a few screenshots for it and gone, that looks a bit like Shovel Knight. Oh, okay, fine. It's just like Shovel Knight. And um, so, yeah, I want to just throw Bat Boy in there. What's on your uh, top three announced games still to come? Announced games. My number one is Starfield. Shout. Like, I'm all in on the Starfield hype. I'm so looking forward to a new Bethesda RPG. Mm. And I like the fact, well, I don't like the fact that it's an Xbox exclusive, but I like right. the implications of that because it feels like a long time since I've been able to champion a Microsoft AAA game, so True. I hope that delivers. My number two is Spider-Man 2, yep. and we're going to talk about that potentially later on in this podcast, so I won't go into that too much now, but I thought the gameplay reveal was really um, good. I mm-hmm. loved the original Spider-Man, and my number three is probably Alan Wake 2. Oh. I'm really looking forward to that, but yeah. there are so many other games on the horizon, like FF16, that yeah. I can't wait to get to as well. My number one is Sea of Stars, and um, that comes out in August. I am blanking on what that dev team did before, but it's a very much a long-awaited RPG, but it just it just plays so well. Go play the free demo. It's on PlayStation. It's on Switch. Just a gorgeous p- top-down pixel uh, plot, um, pixel RPG with really, really good combat mechanics, ways to like parry off um, all the different team members and do all these sort of team-up skills and everything. 
everything. Music score, just art style's incredible. I'm counting the days until that thing. My other one will be the AEW game because I'm a massive wrestling fan. Well, massive AEW fan. That's out in a week, so I'm nice. looking forward to that. Um, and my other one would be Super Mario Wonder, like the thing that they just showed at the Nintendo Direct uh, a few days ago. Um, just Mario gets high the game, like just ridiculous. Like the whole mecha- Have you seen the trailer for that thing yet? No. I oh, really? So. No. So the, well, it's the next mainline Mario game. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, the 2D, the 2D yeah. one, right? I've seen like the screenshots doing the rounds online. Uh-huh. I have no interest in that. Oh, you do? So, that, so they, they've not done a, a new 2D Mario in like, I don't know, 12, 13 years or something because the only one that was on Switch so far is the remaster of the one that was originally on like the Wii or the Wii U and uh, new Super Mario Bros, which in itself was a bit divisive anyway in terms of some of the mechanics they brought in. This is the next like proper 2D Mario. So it's called Super Mario Wonder and the mechanic is that these are <laughs> there are these random flowers that you can fly and find called like wonder plants or something and whenever you touch them, different things happen, different psychedelic effects, different parts of the um, level geometry might warp different abilities Mario gets. It's so just him getting off his face right. for the entire thing. Um, but they've got this gorgeous new art style. Like it just, it obviously it's 2D Mario by Nintendo. Like what else do you want? And um, it just looks refined AF. Like it's just, it's been a long time coming um, and it just looks very purposeful and beautiful. It looks like it runs really well. And I, I just, it's Nintendo doing the, their biggest IP. It's just a personal thing for me. But when you say it's 2D Mario, it's Nintendo, what else do you want? My response is, Anything. Literally anything else, <laughs> and that's 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 a me problem. But I love that people are happy and buzzing about it. I I'll be playing can. it near you, so you'll see some version of it at some point. But that's that's coming out later this year, thank you as well. What do you think about the idea that then we're halfway but, through this year that this could go down as like one of the greatest gaming years? I'm all in on that narrative, but I, I don't think you are. No, I'm not. I, if you want my complete honest thoughts on the year so far, I agree that it's been like a lot of recommendable games, but it's been a lot of extremely safe games. It's a lot of um, remakes and sequels and, ex- and and things that we knew were coming. Some of the games that I was most looking forward to, like Jedi Survivor, I cannot deny how much that absolutely was a complete broken mess, like an abysmal... It, I hate that thing. Like, in terms of what I played, yeah. I should have loved it. I spent the 70 pounds, and it was abysmal. It was unacceptable, and I deleted it, and it's done. And so, like, I did have moments with that where it was great, but I think overall, if I'm looking at, like, the texture of the year so far, I struggled to get a game of the year. It wasn't until Street Fighter Six like, blew me away. Um, and I think that, like I said, it's, it's just to me, there's... I, I don't, if I think of the year so far, then I don't really point at something and go, that moved us forward. That was the thing I was waiting for. That's the next generation starting now. Like, it just isn't that. So, like, mm. it, it, we've hit, like, it's like a glass ceiling. Like, the, the, the needle is pinned, but it's, I was expecting something a bit more like, oh, my God, I can't believe we got this. Um, it's just something like that. And I, I don't really have, like, much of a conclusive statement on it other than I haven't had a specific game um, really wide my eyes and really make me believe in the power of the new systems. Um, it was just that. So I think I definitely agree with everybody, but it, it's a very safe year. Like it's, it's just that. that. That's my general feeling. If I'm being completely brutally honest, that's my feeling on it. I, for me, both things are true. It mm. is a safe year, absolutely. I mean, my top two picks are a remake and a sequel, but like... I'm also, just, sorry, so I'll also just chuck in here that I was pretty disappointed by Tears of the Kingdom on a completely subjective level right. because it is so painfully similar to Breath of the Wild. <sighs> Man, honestly. So I'm just throwing that in there For as well. me, over the course of this six months, mm. I've been in the lucky position of playing games that have been instant Game of the Year contenders. Like, I've had those 2AM um, moments so mm. many times where I just cannot stop playing something. I got it with Resi. I got it with Jedi. I got it with Stay Out of the House. I got it with Dredge. I got it with Zelda. I've, <laughs> I've, just, I've just felt very lucky as a as a lover of video games to have all of these things um, click with me on that level. Like it's it's almost overwhelming. <laughs> and I'll say as well, like when you when someone asks that question of just like, do you agree? It's one of the most seismic levels in gaming history. One of the seismic uh, years in gaming history. Like I, I want to. I mean, it's not that I don't acknowledge the quality. It is there. Like I said, it's lots of like eights and nines and tens out of ten. Um, I just I'm just yet to have something that really like gets to me like the like Breath of the Wild did um, or the God of War 2018 did or whatever like it's just those were big like steps forward for these IP or like big steps forward for game design and we haven't had something like that in at least this year IMO like right. it, it depends like what it is like you get the most refined perfect version of a certain system that was set in motion in Resi's case 20 years ago. And it's like, like a Street Fighter is like this incredible return to form, but it's more Street Fighter. And that's great, mm. but it's not a new thing. And so I, it's just that I'm always hung up on what's the new thing. Yes. And so I, I'm also sitting here being extremely excited for Mario. So it's like, it's just that. But um, yeah, I think it's a very safe, refined, powerful year in a certain direction. But I haven't had something that genuinely 
blew me away in like a, in a new sense. I just I'm latching on to Street Fighter because I love my time with it. But hopefully that's distinct, distinctable enough. It's not even a word. There's a <laughs> distinction between what I'm getting at here. Um, a question from um, Jim Donaldson who says, "I thought God of War 2018 was a near perfect game, and so far Ragnarok has many of the same highs. But I'm getting increasingly frustrated at the level design. Why can a literal god not climb a waist high boulder <laughs> that my dear old mum would barely break a sweat with?" Honestly, game uh, design. Like I was thinking about this because I saw this last night just before uh, we started. No, I saw it last night, and mm. then I was thinking about it just before we started recording. Mm. And I've come to the conclusion that no game is made worse by adding a jump button. In fact, <laughs> games are only made better if you have a jump button. And mm. I think it's a... With the next God of War, if we get one, that jump button needs to return because, look, you add a jump button to The Last of Us, which yeah. initially didn't. That gameplay is better. True. You added. Jump button to Dark Souls, you get Elden Ring. Like, it just <laughs> opens things up so much. It gives you more control over the character. And, yeah, it leaves you with the, without those incongruous moments of, I've seen what this god can do. He destroyed a mythology. Yeah. And now he can't. you telling me he can't jump up there? <laughs> Don't lie to me. I feel like, overall, like, adding a jump button means your entire level design has to change. Yeah. And it's so much easier in, in context or whatever, in terms of like railroading people down a certain path and whatever to have the boulders in the way or have the collapsed tree or whatever it is. And you have to you have to rethink your entire level design and your approach to everything if you're going to add verticality to it. So I think that's the reason why, because you're playing a more story-focused game and they want that Kratos to go through a certain amount of things in a certain order. Um, that new Kratos doesn't feel like he jumps. Like whenever no. he, he's in midair, it looks wrong. Like yeah. he's, a, he's a big lad, he needs to calm down. Like young Kratos was bouncing off the walls like nobody's business. Like, I never thought I'd be asking for this, but mm. with God of War 3, I want them to ditch the one-shot framing and how tight Ooh. the camera always is. No! And I want to let Kratos jump, and I want to uh, <laughs> see him in, like, these huge vistas. Right. I like the intimate camera when it's, um, you know, purposeful and mm. when it is done to accentuate dramatic scenes or like mm. claustrophobia or something. But I can't deny that playing Ragnarok especially, which has these world-ending stakes and this massive scale, there were so many times towards the end of that game, we probably mentioned it in our big hour and a half He's got to check long, out the big spoiler cast. Yeah, spoiler cast. But I, there were so many times where I wanted the camera to zoom out. I wanted that wider view. Mm. And to me, that kind of comes part and parcel with the idea that this guy can jump. I would also say that the one-shot camera, as much as I love it and um, there's a whole debate in film about the utilization of one takes and everything there are bits at the end of Ragnarok where they just couldn't think of a way to bring characters back without having them walk in from the side of frame and it becomes really cheesy where it's just sort of like well I think this and it's just like it, it, ways of wrapping that story that could have been a bit cleaner if you utilized camera cuts um, question from Kieran Moore hot take Cheesy beans on toast is a better meal than a Sunday roast. Outrageous. That's cheesy that, beans that don't on even toast. Cheese, okay. Cheesy beans on toast. Come I on. don't... I mean, yeah, I do love cheesy beans. I love cheesy beans. I love cheese on toast. I love beans on toast. I do love cheesy beans on toast, but I would never really classify that as a meal. That... <laughs> we <laughs> talked about this before, haven't we? In the office, this debate has raged so much. I can't believe you can't class that as a meal. That's with fast food, classing that as a meal. Well, which how I know is that you not do. a meal? It's not a meal. What do you it's mean? Not, it's not a meal. What? It's not. Like... What? You can, make it, you can have fast food like lunchtime. You can have it like like <laughs> later. You can have it. Yeah, no time afterwards. You can have it later on. I had KFC for like my evening meal, quote unquote. I was going to say tea, but the Americans won't know what that is. I had um, KFC for my evening, quote unquote, meal yeah. the other night, and it was barely filled me up. It's just not. It's not an evening meal. An evening meal has like a stature to it. It fills you up. It ends the day. It's not fast food. How is it? Oh, I'm, out, I'm outraged. These by are the this. rules. To me, fast food is only. Like that end of day mealtime food. Like Ooh. I will go probably go home tonight because it's a Friday, and I'm going to order in a McDonald's, and I'm going to get McDonald's. All... Sorry, Friday is the is a variable in this. How, Friday what? can change it a little bit, so it can be a meal on Fridays. I you don't know. No, 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 absolutely no. outrageous with this criteria. No, 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 it doesn't. It doesn't make it a meal, but it makes it more acceptable in the evening. That's what I'm saying. That's I don't fast food is best enjoyed midday or no. an evening. Oh, sorry, an afternoon, preferably on a on a Saturday. No, I Saturday just... evening for fast food. What are you doing? But, when, no. What the, the pure joy of getting in some fast food or a takeaway on like takeaway is um, different. How is it? Di how is it different? <laughs> take, out, take out a meal. That's like a full meal. <laughs> 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 oh, 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 it is. If I get like a full like a takeout, like Chinese takeout, Indian takeout, Turkish takeout, that's a meal. Fast food's not a meal. I don't understand. What's the, what's the difference in terms of the <laughs> they're content? Bigger, they're bigger amounts of food. Just get more fast food. No, but they're designed to be like a meal. Like you, the portions you're getting are designed to be a meal. How? 
it's literally called a Big Mac meal. I don't understand. No, but they're classifying it as a meal because yeah. they, they need to sell you it. it they're wrong. Who's, How, uh, who's having fast food on the evening and classifying that as their evening meal? Me. You, I know, but... I need I need people to chime in on this because, uh, to me, just the base, say, if you got, even if you just got a burger, I'd say that's a meal. If you even got some fries, oh. I'd say that's a meal. If you get burger and fries, to me, that's absolutely a meal. That is a but snack. If, if, <sighs> if you just had fries, that is not a meal. <sighs> Man, one of the pure joys of growing up was just having like a plate of chips. I agree. Tomato. But it's not a meal. And that was a meal. And all all I'm saying to this is if the criteria is the takeout that you get is bigger, just order more from the fast food joints, which is what I do. I get like (sighs) a burger, chips, 20 chicken nuggets, or some um, chicken tenders on the side. I'm not denying that you can get filled up on fast food, but it's not designed for that. It's not like the (laughs) meal comes in a certain style of portion. It has like this feel to it that you can lay it out like a meal. It's just not the same thing. I'm pulling the skin (laughs) off my face right now. Not the words fast food is not designed to be a meal. I will ruminate Not an evening on. meal, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I will ruminate on those You can have it on your lunch. This wasn't want. even the question, were it? It was like Sunday roast versus cheesy beans It was whether cheese, cheesy beans on toast are better than a Sunday roast. Well, the Sunday roast is the king of dinners, so it I is. can't... I, I, Sunday roast is the, is the king. So. If, if if I had a... Like, my last meal on earth would mm. be a Sunday roast. I, I tell you what, I discovered this in the pandemic. Swap out toast for bagels, and, yeah. I'm, ba- and I'm back in. Get get bagels, like, you know, cheese on toast. Sorry, cheese on bagels, beans on bagels. They're way better. Honestly, this is my confession. If the person who asked this question just kind of said regular baked beans on toast versus a Sunday roast, mm-hmm. that would be a more compelling argument. That's unbelievable. I'm, I'm not a fan of cheesy beans on toast. Really? I don't really like mixing cheese and beans. Something about <laughs> something about the cheese and the sauce doesn't doesn't do it for me. And I just like I just like the plain bean on toast vibe. Would you if given the option, would you extract all the bean juice and just have a selection of beans on toast? I like the, no, see, no, he's, no, 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 no. I've got to find where your limit is on this. The juice goes well with the bean. The, Very true. The juice doesn't go well with the cheese. So the would you have cheese with just beans? About, nah. Cheese and dry nah, beans? not dry beans. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find out the parameters of this thought. I would be disappointed if I came around your house yep. and you said, Josh, I'm making you up some beans and toast and you delivered it and it was cheesy beans. I would eat it because I'd be polite, but you I'd would. be... Incredibly disappointed. I'm just trying to find out what what level of liquid do you want accompanying your beans for the maximum cheese and bean experience. Well, I don't want the thing. Is the thing you I, would never want cheese with beans. I will never want. I cheese thought moisture with beans. was the issue. Maybe. Oh no, moisture is not the issue. I, see, I love I bean see. juice. I am an absolute <laughs> fiend for bean juice. You can't be having bean juice by itself though. No, but I Good. would if like we sold it. Like oh. that. I love, I love what, a can of beans juice. Yeah, dipping chips into that. Oh, that's horrible. No way, no way. I bet you'd have to figure even a meal as well. I would. <laughs> oh god. Sometimes when I was when I was younger, I would have and I would still do it now. You're still young now. An evening meal yep. would be beans on toast, yep. but instead of two slices of toast, you I'd have three. That's good. I mean, the more bread, the better. That I makes agree. it more of a meal. Yeah. But it's still not making it an actual meal. Mm, I would have to disagree. I can't believe there's a can of bean juice that you'd buy off the shelf. The, oh, absolutely. I'd have it Ugh. probably... Would I have a cold? Maybe, man. Ah. I maybe would even but, have but a cold. We're going to have to move on. This I know. I'm so sorry. But horrible. you know, in the movie Free Solo, which is about that guy who like climbs mountains and stuff, right. not really relevant to this, but the relevant point is <laughs> when he like eats in his house, yep. he just like eats stuff from the... Pots and pans that he's cooked it with, <laughs> and I think that if my girlfriend wasn't a, wasn't around to you know actually enjoy Make making you a better stuff human, yeah. and like encourage us to try a bunch of different stuff, I'd like spend my entire life eating beans out of like a. Uh, <laughs> A little bit of tin. Maybe even just the tin, to be honest. Just you playing Resident Evil 4 for the eighth time, eating a bunch of eggs out of a frying pan. You know when you watch, like, a post-apocalyptic movie, and it's yep. got, like, Viggo Mortensen in it, and yep. he's got, like, no food, and he's, like, horribly eating beans straight out of the tin? That <laughs> looks like a lovely gourmet dish to me. I'll tell you, in the, I'll meet you in the middle on Alan Partridge when Michael makes a cup of beans. Yeah. And he, and he, he, <laughs> make, he gets the sausages, the scoop. I was like, that's great. Give, give yeah. me a sausage scoop. Why do we not sell them? Give, sell sausages sell in the shape of spoons and just bring it together. Anyway, Go on. question from It's Me, Poolsy. Hey, hey, Poolsy. Hey. What is the hardest boss slash enemy you've ever fought? Maybe multiple from different game types. Mine would have to be Sigrun from God of War 2018. Barely managed to beat her after hundreds of attempts. What's your single hardest boss? Can I uh, have a quick um, comment on this? Yes. Because it's not the hardest boss I've ever fought, but Sigrun from God of War 2018 is the only boss that I've never beaten. Oh. And that was because which is very hard to begin with, but right. I went away for two weeks, and you know when you just kind of we oh, talk about this in our yeah. game and habits yeah. thing, and then I came back, 
after those two weeks and had forgotten all of the um, buttons and had forgotten what I was doing in the <laughs> fight. So I actually never beat her because she was really hard. Right. And I got out the floor of it. But the most difficult boss I've ever fought, I think, either has to be um, Spawn of Ogdo from Jedi Survivor. That thing is so broken. Year. That thing was broken, especially when you have to fight two of them. That yeah. was outrageous. But I think you found the, found the fight against two easier because they attack less frequently. Oh, man. And the, just, the hitbox stuff isn't as broken. You know the crap that you didn't like with the, with the tongue attack? Mm. I found that they could pop those off together without warning, and that would always catch me out. I had a real problem with that. Right. Um, but probably um, the final boss, Lord Gwyn from Dark Souls 1, that was the one I had the most trouble with because... Ah. Because you, you have to parry you to win. To once parry. I realized that, I was like, this is, I, I don't mean this in boasty way at all. I just mean that once I realized that, I thought that was one of the easiest bosses in the game because it was just parry and win. It is once you realize yeah, that. Yeah. But I, I spent an hour like throwing my brain at the wall trying to beat this guy head on. And then even when I, I went online, I had, to, I had to get some tips. So I went online and people <laughs> said, you know, just parry. Uh -huh. But because I'd spent the entire game not parrying even once, I then had to learn the parrying mechanic mm. on him, which added extra time and that little wrinkle made that fight hell. Yeah, I back that. I, I wasn't parrying either. I never parry in Souls games. I no. was like, uh, I did that in the final boss as well. Uh, my one, funnily enough, um, my overall one is Unseen and Smile, which I think I've talked about loads on the pod before, but the quick version is that that was the boss that I was fighting for like two weeks. I got there way too early. I was underleveled, um, and I just couldn't beat it. It's a, a boss in Dark Souls, or a, tw a twin set of bosses in Dark Souls that you fight at the same time. Um, I was underleveled, couldn't barely make a dent, um, fought it for a whole week, just kept, get, kept getting absolutely flanned. Obviously going into that boss, because I, I didn't play it in 2011, I played it like 2015-ish or something. Um, it was obviously, there's a reputation around that boss, so you know that it's a big deal. And I just could not make a dent in it whatsoever. I eventually struggled enough to beat one of them, and then they go into another form, and then I would die in that form, and you've got to run back all the way there all the time. I was in a living hell for about two weeks, just like Dragon Ball Z, Goku in the, in the capsule kind of thing, where I'm just grinding and grinding and grinding. Try again, die, try again. And I, that was the, the closest I got to just like losing my mind. Like I was living by myself at the time and just playing that boss every night, thinking about it all day, um, trying to fight it, dying, grinding, listening to podcasts, grinding, grinding, grinding. Just couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. And then admitting, I remember years ago, Adam Sessler, who used to be on G4, said that because your brain fundamentally, um, hand-eye coordination fundamentally gets worse after the age of 27, there are certain games that you might not, you just might not be able to play anymore. Right. And he always worried about that when he was growing up. And I was like, maybe I've hit it because I was older than that. And um, I think, I'm trying to do mental math in my head, but it was definitely around that age. And I was like, maybe I just can't do it. Maybe this is it. And like, and I was just in that rut for like two weeks to the point where like I was losing on like a shred of health um, and I did one thing where I was just like, oh my God. And I like raked my face because I was just, oh, I'm so sick. Just trying to do the hands on the face, but digging in way too much and then leaving a bunch of marks on my face and um, going to work the next day going like, yeah, the cat scratched me <laughs> all around my face apparently. Um, when I eventually beat that boss, because um, I refused to summon as well, I was all well, summons for scrubs, which right. is so BS. <laughs> yeah. Like that game is meant to be stupidly hard because you're supposed to summon someone else in. Um, I refused to do that. So I eventually beat Onsen and Smile myself. I was shaking so much when I beat it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates 
fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Um, unbelievable, stupid, ridiculous. Don't, I don't recommend that one. No, no, no. Mine by far is Unseen and Smile. Um, I'll also throw in, so I've, I've talked for ages here, but the oh, um, the final boss in Jedi Survivor, not to spoil who that is, I thought was a broken POS. So I yeah, I lowered the difficulty to get through that. I've never lowered the difficulty to get through a game before, but I was like, after being frame killed, getting dropped into animations that I was clearly out the way of, I was like, nah, this is broken. I've got a whole part of that game that still needs to be patched at the time. Um, this thing is a broken mess and I'm done. I love that boss. <laughs> Love that boss so much. <laughs> one of the worst times I've had this year. But uh, next question from that guy, Jim, who says, what is, the, what is one future prediction that you'll absolutely stand by no matter what? For them, <laughs> it's that Star Wars Outlaws will be better than Starfield. No! Sorry, Star Wars Outlaws will be a better Starfield than Starfield. No! <laughs> <laughs> oh, just I mean, after I've said Starfield's my most anticipated of the year yeah. as well. Go on, Scott. What is uh, your prediction? Uh, the... I, I'm thinking wider. I'm thinking like more towards the future. I, I feel like in terms of the thing that I'll stand by is that all everything other than just making games will fail. Sony's live service push will fail. Like in terms of that being the thing that everyone wants, like pushing towards mobile games will fail. Sony, that's already happening. Like mm. the um, Sony's head of the mobile division left or whatever, like last week. Um, the amount of tech that they're putting into all these mobile experiences and live services, the Last of Us game, Last of Us live service game being delayed indefinitely. I just don't think that's it. Right. They, uh, they just, every game company, and it comes around every now and then, it was Ubisoft for a while, then they passed the baton of hate to EA for a bit, and then it went to Warner Brothers for a bit in 2017. Every company gets to a certain level of game creation where they go like, we've made the games now, what else do we do? And then they try a thing. And it's either like a microtransaction thing, it's a battle pass thing, it's a, like aggressive DLC, it's whatever it is, it's live service pushes, it'll all fail. Because mm. the only thing that matters is making games. And you just need to make some games. It doesn't do need to be this big old plug and do your dailies and your weeklies and all this BS. It can be there for a time, but they always die. That's, just, that's, it's just about the games. Yeah, it is just about the games, man. And I wish it was. I wish people would learn that <laughs> lesson because I want good games and I want people to focus on those games Same. and not just trying to get as much money out here as possible with all these live <laughs> services that people are not yet sold on. That push from Sony is crazy, but we've talked about that mm. a lot, I suppose. If the if the Last of Us live service game comes out, then it'll have a certain amount of tail on it. Yeah. I just don't think that's it. That's not why people went to the Last of Us IP. All the money that they're putting into Foam Stars, Last of Us live service, whatever, you could just make a whole bunch of smaller games and sell them for like 30, 40, 50 pounds and they would make more than the live <sighs> service stuff would. I'd like to think so, but I, knowing how much money a live service can make with microtransactions makes me doubt that a little it's bit. True, you've got Diablo Immortal flying the flag in the other direction. I'm sure Diablo 4 has made an ungodly amount of money already. That's it, but like those are all so rare. Like mm. that's that's the rarefied 1% of live service true. games and so many like Anthem and a bunch of others have come and tried to hit that and not done They it also all, you know? have to sell their soul to do that. Like Blizzard yeah. and Activision don't have a soul. Yeah. Like we didn't talk about them in the run up to launch. It's only because Diablo 4 reviewed so well that a lot of people, including me, went, oh fine, I'll try it. Right, like yeah. I tried the open beta, I was like, oh, it's solid enough. Um, but they aren't regarded well, like at it's all. It's like, I love Call of Duty, but the way Activision is treating Call of Duty absolutely uh, sucks. <laughs> it's, man, I just want that franchise to be back on top, and I have really enjoyed a lot of the recent games they've pulled out, mm -hmm. uh, put out, you know, Call of Duty uh, Modern Warfare 2019, I absolutely loved. The original Warzone, absolutely loved. I even really like Vanguard for what it was worth, mm. but like this, the studios, I feel like they need more freedom, and I think like they need more time and resources, and that like just like stop running these franchises into the ground mm -hmm. and like doing it this way. Um, I don't know if I have a prediction, and I'm okay. not just gonna throw this out because I Jim has um really disappointed me with the idea that Outlaws will be a better Starfield mm. than Starfield. But I actually I don't know if I have any faith in Outlaws. In a Ooh. that's 
indicative of where I'm at with Ubisoft as a whole. Like, we talked about Outlaws, we talked about um, the Avatar game, both of which have a lot of elements that I like, but my prediction From is From previous that, IP. <laughs> this is it. My prediction is that both of those games, while they'll look great in trailers and they'll look ga- great before launch, mm. um, I don't think will like be more than eight out of tens each. They'll still have a lot of the Ubisoft baggage mm. and Ubisoft formulas that we're sick of, and they might be better than their recent track record, but I can't see a big ship like Ubisoft turning things around with two games kind of overnight. But no, I, who knows? I think, I mean, this is, the thing is, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Star Wars game. I don't really care about Avatar as an IP, as a brand or whatever, but I feel like overall, once you look at the way the Avatar, uh, is it Mr. Pandora, the, the new one? Um, uh, Frontiers of Frontiers Pandora, of Pandora. I think. Maybe Mr. Pandora was a Warcraft expansion. Um, but yeah, the Avatar thing, that looks like a reskin of Far Cry. Mm-hmm. Like it just does in terms of the settlement stuff. And they're, when they're like clearing out the military outpost, it's like, oh, this feels like you could have done Avatar DLC for Far Cry. And then Outlaws feels like Star Wars DLC for Ghost Recon. So I'm like, it'll be wide as an ocean and thin as a puddle. Got another prediction. Yes. That's kind of continues on from this because you mentioned Far Cry. Mm. I've been thinking about this for a while. I don't think Far Cry is ever good again. I think that's the next <laughs> Ubisoft franchise to die. <laughs> Um, because they've had dead so, now. that's it man they've had so many attempts and they just keep making the same game and they don't know how to innovate that franchise right mm. now and I think um, we might get one more and then I think it dies for a bit I would love it, love it to come back because I love Far Cry 2 <laughs> and I love Far Cry 3 and I really enjoyed Far Cry 5 mm. but I just think the trajectory that series on is on right now it feels almost unsalvageable. I'd love to be wrong but I think it's gonna go the way of the dodo maybe they need to add some farming elements Maybe. Maybe they need to they make it a cozy game. I, don't six, man. I feel like, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think that, like, obviously they hit big with Far Cry 3, and then Ubisoft for the last decade has just been like, do it again. I, it's kind of the same thing with Assassin's Creed, which is another one that's in the same rut. Uh, Jack Asbury says to me, Tears of the Kingdom is going the same way as God of War Ragnarok, and that it's very well received, but the level of awe is not as high as it was for Breath of the Wild and 2018's God of War. But my question is, does that matter? And is Spider Man going to be the same when it releases? Now, this is what I was getting at before in terms of the yes so far. It's not that those games, they're undeniable but they're not they don't have that extra oh my god have you seen this thing because they're safe and they're more of what you had before spider-man is my second most anticipated game Mm. of the year but i'm almost saying that in spite of what i think and what i think is (laughs) that it's going to be another god of war ragnarok and another horizon forbidden west i looked at the gameplay trailer Mm. and like i said you know it's stunning it it it, it does everything that i want it to do it looks like a bigger and better spider-man 2018 Mm. But it it doesn't, to me, look like that revolutionary next step in the franchise. And I do worry that if you played Spider-Man 2018, Miles Morales, and Spider-Man 2 back-to-back, the the jump in quality between the first two games and the third game um, wouldn't be as substantial as, Mm. in my opinion, a jump from Fallen Order to Jedi Survivor. Mm. And I hope I'm wrong. And I... It wouldn't, of course, be the end of the world if it was a more safe and iterative sequel. Like, I still loved Ragnarok. I still really enjoyed Forbidden West. It's just, with Spider-Man after five years, and because game development is so long, mm. I'm I'm absolutely gasping for these major leaps within the franchise. Yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. When you cite God of War Ragnarok and you cite Horizon uh, Forbidden West... Both of those games, they're serviceable, they're polished. You can spend a hundred hours in them, but they didn't leave a mark. Like oh. they, they just didn't. Like I don't think about Ragnarok the same way I think of 2018's God of War. They just, they're just a bit too iterative. The animation carryover is too similar. It's, it's Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. It's, it's too much of the same thing. It's not that it's not a beautiful thing. It's just, it's a, it's a weird thing to vocalize because I, I definitely feel like there's something in the air with people bringing this up. Obviously, people have sent questions in like this, um, and that was one of the discussions around Tears of the Kingdom and going into God of War Ragnarok. Like there is something emerging in terms of the rising production budgets to make these games there has to be a some sort of sacrifice in terms of gutting the whole thing and doing it and changing things um you have to have a carryover spider-man's will be the map like most of that will be the same city map again assumedly anyway um and in god of war it was you could tell the bits that were carried over like the same animations or the same in zelda that's a weird thing to accept for me personally. Like mm. it doesn't, it's just not exciting. Like, oh, the industry that I love is getting more iterative and less um, innovative. Like that's, that's just a weird thing to vocalize. There's no like full stop on this point, but it's like, that is something I've noticed. It's, it's tough for me because God of War Ragnarok in particular is the game that kind of makes me think that 
this isn't the end of the world because I would disagree <laughs> with you that it didn't make a mark. To me, Ragnarok uh, was better than 2018's. Like, if I was mm. ranking my favorite PlayStation games, that would be higher. That's right. the story in that game and the combat loop. Yes, it was iterative. Yes, it used a lot of stuff that was present in 2018, but they just managed to nail it for me um, in a way that really resonated. That said, I wouldn't want to see another iterative sequel. When mm. they come round to God of War 3, I do want to see that major overhaul. And with Spider-Man, like, I'm still going to love Spider-Man if it's just more Spider-Man, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm with you in terms of, I want to see what special, like, thing they've got to really elevate it. Like, what makes this, like an amazing PlayStation 5 mm. game. Where's that big jump? And maybe I'm asking a lot because well, I, games just kind of aren't made like that anymore, but no, I'm always looking for that. I'm massively... Do you remember when the Hangover sequel came out? Yes. And it was exactly the same. Yes. And, and, and there was a conversation at the time of like, oh, you could almost write the script and take some of the nouns out and it would just be the exact same script and the conversation on what do people want? Do they just want more of the same? And I remember seeing Hangover 2 and realizing how identical it was. And like, yeah, it didn't hit the same. And like, it's just that thing. Does the wider average person, the wider consumer, do they want the new thing? Are they happy with the same thing? Like, how much can you double down on that? I feel like in Ubisoft's case, it's getting exhausting. It's visibly exhausting. Their games have fell off. Uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint lost like 93% of its budget or whatever it was, uh, its money. So I don't know. I just, I just, I wonder what the, the consumer responds to. Like the industry fundamentally used to serve you innovation. And then like, obviously those, some of those gameplay ideas didn't work at all. And, but like, I feel like overall there was a lot more uh, going on in terms of new gameplay ideas across the 2000s and 2010s. Um, and I, for me, when you said at the very beginning of this, that it's been a great year for media overall, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I do in music, um, but I think right now we're in the middle of this franchise summer. It's just that whole thing at the minute where it's like, the old thing is good. And I'm like, yeah, it's great, but like, can we do the new thing? For me, I'm aware of that across the board. And so like, it, that kind of translates over into gaming, movie, it, media at a certain threshold is all very samey. I suppose... I, I guess that if I've, after the past few years, I've realized what I like and, I've, and mm. I know where to look for the stuff that I've in, like that I enjoy. Mm. You, you talk about like, yeah, there's a lot of samey summer blockbusters that have come out over the past few months and are going to come out. Like a lot of big flops, a lot of really safe bets. Like I personally have never been wowed by a summer blockbuster period in years right, going right. on five, six years. You know what I mean? Like I've detached from that. But mm. if I look at other spaces and places and see what people are putting out, I find a lot of good, unique, interesting totally. content. Like I think I've just kind of come to terms with the mainstream in both movies and games kind of, they're not catering for me anymore yeah, yeah. and they're not trying to target me. So I've kind of shut that off in a way and managed to find a bunch of good stuff um, elsewhere. So that's kind of what I say. I don't like talk about like the big franchise things mm. where I, when I, when I say that 2023 has been a great year for, for media, I just talk about like the stuff that has come out that right, has been right. great um, really interesting um, and quality work that has dropped over there. It's just like, yeah, in terms of the mainstream, I would probably argue that, that probably isn't true. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. That is the way to go forward. I feel like gaming's having this sort of like point in time thing, which is like in music. If you're into music, chances are you're not into what's in the charts. You're probably following something else. Um, yeah, in gaming's case, it's just that the industry's top names used to also have the innovation. Like Gears of Warlands, it's a whole new way to play a third-person shooter, Resident Evil 4. Um, Metal Gear Solid, like whatever, like they, they, they Last of Us 2013, like, um, or Bioshock, like they have like all these like really bold stories and bold framings and bold game mechanics. And like that kind of has gone away a little bit. Like we talked about it in the God of War Ragnarok spoiler cast about how the biggest leap forward that game makes as a sequel is thematically yeah. and, and based in the story and the, the journey Kratos goes on as a character rather than what you actually do with, with him. So like, I think it's just that, like the, de the depth is there, but not in game mechanics, like, or not necessarily in the environment design or not yet anyway. Mm. Um, still waiting to see that level that can only be done on SSD or something like that. I guess I'm just, yeah, I suppose with me personally, I'm just not waiting for that. I will mm. love it when it comes, but in the meantime, the games are such of a high caliber for me that mm. I'm like, I'm not gasping for that the same and i think like that's the weird thing about vocalizing it like i mentioned before it's like it's like a it's like a double think thing where it's like i'm definitely satisfied with what i'm playing like i'm loving final fantasy 16 diablo 4 street fighter 6 um 
<laughs> Where's the new thing? Mm. Where's the new thing? I'm always aware of that. It's like when Final Fantasy 16 feels like a fresh new, fresh installment, they've done a lot to that game. Um, but yeah, it's just that thing of like, I'm definitely satiated, but I am wondering, is this it? Have we hit it in terms of the game design stuff and, and what's coming next? And um, can we ever get back to a level of innovation that is reminiscent of what it was across the 90s, the 2000s? Probably not. Mm. Um, and it's like, because like, everyone talks about that in terms of visuals. There'll never be a visual leap again, which is true. You'll never get something that'll leap from PS1 to PS2, but why can't we have a, a much wider array of game mechanics or a much wider array of approaches to gameplay that don't just fit the same like handful of molds like four player loot shooters or extraction shooters or whatever it is like why is there more stuff in that regard that's what I'm getting at I think that's like obviously a totally valid perspective I just I I look at the spread that we've got and I agree that there aren't many massive innovations being made but Mm. in terms of genre spread like I'm eating well for a reason and that genre variety is part of it you know like I'm getting great horror games dropping one after another in June. I've got survival <laughs> horror games for previous uh, months in the year. I've got big RPGs to look forward to. I've got action games. I've got mm. shooter games. I've got third-person story-driven right games. The corner. Yeah, 2D Mario games, Metroidvanias, Prince of Persia's <laughs> going back to a 2.5D style. For me, in that regard, like it's way better than it was in the late 2000s or mid-2000s where True. you were getting those innovations, sure, but you were getting copycats and the copycats felt like the only things out there now Mm. i feel like yeah there's of course so much trend chasing and we criticize that to the cows come home but there's an equal amount of alternatives to look at and that's why i say it's like a good media Mm. because those alternatives are more plentiful than ever and they're of a higher quality yeah i think you're 100 right and I, i massively back that i think the only thing that seems to be emerging from the way people talk, the questions we get sent in, and the general sentiment is that the mainstream isn't that isn't it anymore. Mm. The mainstream is the safest thing, um, and we accept that for other mediums, like to, uh, to a degree that we didn't used to with gaming. But you kind of have to now. Like the best stuff, you are gonna have to go and look for it, unless it's an Elden Ring and it's yeah. knocking at your door, going like you need to play this. That's but why there's I, so few and far between. That's why I wouldn't completely commit to that view right now. In the same way that I definitely would with movies, because mm. you know. I look at the mainstream stuff this year and two of them are in my top three. You know what right. I mean? Star Wars, Resi, Dead Space, Zelda, like all of those stuff. That, that, for me, yeah, the innovation might not be there, but they're still hitting to a level of quality that movie, the mainstream movies have Oh, that's definitely anymore. true. I mean, so once that yeah. starts to dwindle and we only get Suicide Squads, then I'll be right with you. <laughs> yeah, if we end up getting, if all the movies are the, the Flash's desert scene, then exactly. we've like, they've completely fallen down. Final question from Mike McGuckin. Um, sent this in for the wind-up, but we'll do it on the UBP. Saying, is the extra tenner, £10, for the Spider-Man 2 Deluxe Edition a waste of money and a bit of a cynical money grab from Sony? Early gadget and suit access and three skill points you'd very quickly get in the game anyway. Um, this is an interesting one because uh, <laughs> Spider-Man 2 Deluxe thing, I think looks pretty bad. Like the model, the figure looks incredible, but the costumes that they're proposing looks like stuff from Gotham Knights. And like, I love Gotham Knights. I actually really like the drip in that game, but it's not what I want from Spidey. And like, it was always the thing coming out of the uh, the first one and in Miles Morales, where I was like, have you guys exhausted all your best suits? And I was like, what else have you got to put in here? And then their answer was like, well, we made a bunch. We did, we're not pulling from the comics anymore. We're going to just make some stuff. And he's got a cape and he's got all these weird things. I, that wasn't for me at all. To me, I think they're, they're going to have a great bunch of alternate costumes in yeah. Spider-Man 2, but I think they would have got such a backlash if they made those comic book costumes or movie costumes pre-order bonuses. That no, they- no, they just put them in. All the stuff that we unlocked in the original should just be in there. No, I agree with that. Yeah. I'm talking about, like, what would they do for a deluxe um, mm. thing to justify it? And, like, if they wanted to have costumes there, they couldn't um, add the comic book ones to that pay right, wall. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Like, that would cause an outrageous amount of out- outrage because of the standard that they established in uh, the original game. Yes, so totally. now they've had to kind of sell you costumes that they've put behind a paywall by making original ones that look really bad in my opinion. Like I wouldn't buy that deluxe edition for those costumes because they're just they're not what I think of when I think of Spidey and I think they don't look very good. No. I think the whole idea of by paying extra to get quicker access to abilities and skill points that's just never been something I'm interested in I remember getting I think it was The Last of Us Remastered that came with a code to unlock certain upgrades and I just would never ever use that because that progression should be designed to be fun and unlocking those things in game should be exciting and rewarding so I don't understand I know people might get a lot out of it especially if they want to get through games quicker but to me those costumes specifically 
I would never buy, but no. I realize why they've done it because it would be crazy if they gated off um, regular outfits mm. and the idea of upgrade stuff. Why? <laughs> why? I'm having that at the minute with Final Fantasy 16 because I didn't pre-order that game way in advance, but it still classed it as a pre-order when I installed it like a few hours before midnight the other night. Um, and that gives you um, a sword that does like 100 damage from the very beginning, but you're meant to have this like like basic sword because where Clive is in the story, he wouldn't have this great sword yet. So it, it, I, stuff like that, maybe it's a gaming habit thing, doesn't make any sense to me. Like I'm mm. not, I'm fundamentally not using it because it doesn't make sense. Um, like you're on the battlefield with like you're a soldier and you've got this deluxe like flame looking sword. No, it doesn't make any sense. So I definitely agree with that, that it can it, it makes me think of what the progression is supposed to be. Yeah. Am I bypassing a certain amount of it and things like that? Um, but yeah, I don't necessarily think it's a, a cash grab. I think that like you know, work's gone into these suits. I just, for me overall, like that idea of like, what could they have done next? They've pulled from all the most iconic suits in the costume, in the comics, hire some Marvel artists and do some proper new Spidey stuff. Like don't do the thing that just feels generic, that feels like it's from Gotham Knights or whatever. For me, I, I hope and I don't think those deluxe suits will be indicative of the suits that they're adding to the game mm. otherwise uh, because there are still plenty of comic book um, costumes or movie costumes or animated costumes that they can pull from like, True. I, especially with like the Venom suit like there is although it's the same basic design you could honestly release like what 10, 15 different versions of just the black <laughs> suit alone like there's right. so much variation with Spider-Man as a character I mean just look at the trailer for the new Spider-Verse movie which is great by oh, the yeah. way and spot all of the different costumes and Spider-Man in the background like they're not lacking for content I think that this game will hopefully have all of the costumes that were in Miles Morales and Spider-Man 2018 mm. and then have another even more stuff on top that is comic or at least Spider-Man accurate. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't see why they would even need to invent new comic, uh, new costumes right now. No, I guess not. It's just justifying what the the feel that came out of looking at that, like, swath of costumes they've done and people going, like, this doesn't look like what Spidey would wear. No. Like, I at agree. all. Um, and how would you maybe get something that might feel like a new suit or whatever? Um, but yeah, stuff like um, what they're highlighting where you're just getting skill points that you're going to get anyway. Like, just save yourself the money and play it yeah. like on, on launch instead or whatever. You're not <laughs> It's not really benefiting you that much. One costume I do want to see in this game after mm. watching uh, Across the Spider-Verse is the um, Miguel O'Hara Spider-Man 2099 costume, Show. but the animated uh, version. They've got to do a Spider-Verse pack. I mean, like, oh man, they have to give me like all of those <laughs> costumes, but in that style. They yeah. did it with. Um, Miles Morales, you can get the Spider-Verse costume there, mm -hmm. and you can get the animated Miles Morales costume. I love when they add the animated costumes into the game. It's like missing um, a frame when you move yeah. as well, so it's just like the movie. That's stuff, man. Like, like This is what I mean when I say they're not lacking in content. There's so much they can pull from. And maybe more importantly, variations of the ones that are already in there. Like mm. you have the Iron Spider costume in uh, Spider-Man 2018, but mm. there's a bunch of variations of that in and of itself. It's like, you got unlimited potential, guys. Hopefully, uh, all the best costumes will be unlockable in the game. And then in a, in a way, underneath corporate, through a lens of corporate overlords, they've had to do something for a pre-order bonus. So they've um, invented a whole bunch of costumes that most actual Spidey fans don't want. Yeah. Um, so you can just save your money and unlock the stuff you actually want in the game rather than them, like you said before, paywalling, like, you know, uh, the Scarlet Spider outfit or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, for now, this has been the title of the podcast. The UBP, the UBP, the UBP. A massive thank you to everybody for sending in their various questions. And to you, Josh Brown, for diving in. Thank you for having me. You know I love being on this show. I like uh, <laughs> like talking to you, and I love actually getting to interact with the people who listen. It's yeah. always a joy. They're always incredible. Thank you all again very much, and we'll catch you next week. Bye Goodbye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.